Hi everyone, this is Eric. Welcome to another episode of I Will Go On Then Here Amongst Friends. Today I interview Bree. Bree and I were running buddies in college, and Bree is the sister of Jill, who I interview in another episode. I had such a good time with Bree. We uh, start next to a lake in northern Idaho in the evening. Uh, if you're watching the video, most of the time the sun is in my eyes. Uh, then we take a quick break for dinner and meet up the next morning to finish questions 12 through 15. Now, what there are two, the two-part question that I really like is number 10. It's what do love and suffering teach us? And when she talks about suffering, one quote that really stuck out to me was that she says that suffering looks like letting go and getting rid of everything that is false security and finding that no matter what, that she is safe and secure. Uh, and then she continues and says, but it can feel like suffering when letting go of those things. We talk about failure, we talk about letting other people down and how she always uses 1000% worth it to let people down. <laughs> uh, and lastly, when it comes to love, she says that we're not ourselves when we're not loving people or letting ourselves be loved. And I found that really profound. Uh, there are so many different things and little nuggets of wisdom that Bree shares and I really think that you'll enjoy this conversation. So, I think we should start. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Oh, Go On Then, Here Amongst Friends. And here I'm with my friend. Did you just speak Chinese? No. Oh, I thought you said Go On Then, Amongst Friends. <laughs> I say it so fast. It's, 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 hello. Oh, go on then, you're Amongst Friends. Oh, go on then. Oh, I thought you were speaking in Chinese. <laughs> no, I just said it super fast. Okay. This is my friend Brienne. Hi. And Brienne, I've got 15 questions for you. I love that you're calling me Brienne. I know, it's Brie. Mm. Uh, we're in lovely Idaho, the lake. It's so peaceful here. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start with the first question. Okay. Red or blue? Red or blue? Yeah. Honestly, neither. Why? They're just like not my favorite colors. Like I would never be like, I mean, I guess it depends. Like I would never be like, oh... I want to wear red or I want to wear blue. Well, I wear red lipstick. You do. I only wear red lipstick. That's mm, interesting. It is. Yeah. I only wear red lipstick. I don't really wear any other color. So red. Okay. Red lipstick. Yeah. What is it about the red lipstick that really says something about you? It's bold. Okay. And it makes me feel like I can do the day, you know? I like during quarantine, uh -huh. actually, when everything went online on Zoom, if I put in hoops mm -hmm. and red lipstick yeah. and got behind Zoom, yeah. it felt like I was actually... You were in charge. Yeah, it felt like I was... not just at home like it felt like it felt a little more official mm. and i felt like myself how big of hoops big hoops well it depended on the day sometimes i would wear I like big big really and then i have all different sizes of hoops okay. so i have my like big like you know yeah going out hoops i have my like small everyday hoops i feel we all have those yeah 
Now, uh, you, you, you've been a big fan of Gwen Stefani. She loves red. You and remember that I love Gwen Stefani? Of course. And so, does that have anything to do with how you've been wearing your lipsticks? Because she's quite bold. That's a good question. With her lipstick. I think I started wearing red lipstick in high school because of Gwen Stefani. And I was always jealous. I wanted to be a blonde. Oh my gosh. Because, oh um, we have a dog friend coming. Yeah. Because, um of her platinum hair yeah. but I knew that I would have to like mm -hmm. totally ruin my hair to get that color but I yeah I think my red lipstick inspiration started because of Gwen Stefani and then it just kind of stayed and I got over not having blonde hair I fell in love with the fact that I was not blonde and that worked out for me <laughs> next question do you fold or scrunch your toilet paper Oh, wow. Totally scrunched. No. People fold? <laughs> this guy. You, of course, of course. you do. <gasps> like, fold, you, like. Like, I don't make a bir origami bird, but I mean, <laughs> I do like two squares. Like, you take the squares, time to fold two it? Two squares right there, and I fold it. And then I fold it again. Yeah. I totally scrunch. You do? Yes. What? People fold. I did not know that. Folding. I didn't know that was the thing. What's more common, folding or scrunching? 50-50. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I scrunch. You do? I scrunch. <laughs> I totally scrunch. I've, I don't have time to fold. <laughs> yeah, I scrunch. You're in a hurry. Yeah. I don't like going to the bathroom. Really? No. And so, have you ever liked going to the bathroom? You just don't? I just don't like it. It feels... Yeah. I only wash my hands for other people's sake. I hate washing my hands. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes so much time. Oh, to okay. Go to the so the whole process hands. is just time consuming. It feels very time consuming. It feels like a waste of time. I do it because I have to. <laughs> what a burden. I know. <laughs> Next question? Or do you want to like continue to no, dwell on how you scrunch? I'm good. You're good? I'm good with the scrunching. Big spoon or little spoon? I love these questions. Always big. Really? Yeah. Now, question. Okay. Are you talking about an actual spoon or like cuddling? Oh, that's really good. I The first thing I thought of was an actual spoon because I always go for the big spoons. Um, probably in cuddling, it would be the same answer. <laughs> oh, like would I be the big spoon or the little spoon yeah. in cuddling? Yeah. I'd be the little spoon. But if with an actual spoon, I would be the big spoon. So, so, so tell, let's, let's deep dive into actual spoons. Okay. You always choose a big one. Always. Why? It's very comforting to me. I just love them. That's so interesting. I didn't know that anyone else ever thought about that. I hate little spoons. <laughs> I hate them. Shut up. I really hate them. <laughs> I will never go for them. In everything, if I'm eating ice cream... Soup is like obviously who would ever choose a little spoon for soup? You hate little spoons. I hate them. Cereal. It's so much more satisfying to have a big one. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, big. Okay. What do you like? I probably just transitioned to a big spoon, like physical, like spoon maybe two years ago i was always oh, little always spoon little. Yeah, always. i like big always big never i would never choose the little 
What makes you laugh? <laughs> what makes me laugh? That question almost made me want to cry. Mm. Yeah. Are laughing and crying closely related in your life? It made me emotional. It was really emotional. What makes me laugh? You can cry if you want. It appears as if you're going I to. I feel very emotional about that question. Really? I don't know why. <laughs> um, what makes me laugh? You have tears in your eyes. I do. Mm-hmm. I think things that are like really pure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like um, even if it's like a. I don't know how to answer that. Something that is genuine and spontaneous, pure in the sense that it's not um, forced. Yeah. Like, I'm going to last let. I will last. I will last. I will. I almost corrected you. I will laugh less at a joke, like a planned joke. Then I will at something that is just like mm-hmm. random and on the spot mm. and spontaneous mm. and not trying to like perform anything for me. I get that. I'll laugh way more when it's like purely authentic and genuine and probably childlike and innocent. I have a really hard time with like Will Ferrell movies. <laughs> like I love Elf. That'll yeah. make me laugh. <laughs> that is like the, like just, yeah. you know. Um, Yeah, it doesn't take a lot to make me laugh, but sometimes I feel like the things that I laugh at is not what other people laugh at. In what sense? It feels very, um, like what a kid would laugh at. Ooh. Yeah. Like immature? Almost. Or like maybe like not laughing imma- about poop? Or mm, laughing yeah. about like little like, like innocent, like little things I think very innocent things make me laugh See, I laugh about like poop stuff which a kid would laugh at. exactly but maybe you laugh more like innocent things something innocent laugh. yeah I'm having a hard time finding an example if I think of one later in the okay. conversation maybe bring I it up tell you okay yeah next question what is your first happy childhood memory my first happy childhood memory yeah oh that's such a great question thank you I remember a lot of sad ones. (laughs) That's depressing. Um, Isn't that interesting? Yes. How our brains like store hard memories. That's interesting. Um, My happy memories are when I was little, probably with my sister. Older or younger? She's younger. And <laughs> um, I was just obsessed with her. I loved her so much. And we would make up games. And I have an older sister, too, but mm. she's a lot older. Okay. Um, so Jill and I are a lot closer in age. And, yeah, my first happy memories are probably with her. Um, with Jill. With Jill. Aww. And... Um, 
I'm trying to remember my first one. We weren't allowed to watch a lot of TV, okay. but we had a couple of cartoons that we were obsessed with, and we still to this day know all of the songs, and we can sing them together. Like what? Um, like, have you ever heard of PB&J Otter? We were singing it the other night. It's like... No. Ooh, darling, ooh, darling, ooh, <laughs> no, I've never heard that. Kind of out of control. <laughs> um... Wow, I'm sorry I'm blanking. No, I think it's fascinating that it was easier to think of negative ones. Yeah. I don't you always find that kind of fascinating that people remember negative things said about them rather than all the yeah, positive things. Yeah, it's really so true. Mm. Like, I could tell you, like, my first four traumatizing memories, right? <laughs> four? <laughs> I don't know why I said four. Yeah. But isn't that so interesting yes. that the happy ones are harder to, like, recall? Yeah. They feel more, like, kind of clumped together. It's like, oh... Like, Jill, as a person, like, I remember our relationship. Yeah. But, like, specific memories are hard to, like, describe in detail. I see. Um, okay. Yeah. This is question number six. Does the universe know you exist? And what does it think about you? Can I follow up with a question? Of what course. What does the universe mean in that? That is a great question. Oh. So the universe is whoever it could be I want it to whoever be? Whoever you want it to be. It could be a goddess. It could be Hare Krishna. It could be mm. Jesus. It could be God. Okay. It so could be... It was, does the universe know I exist and then what? What does it think about you? Oh. So, yeah, you can take that. Does that higher power? Oh, does, okay. That's um, cool. That's good. I was trying to use neutral language, and then you could then define it however you I saw see. it. Um, the universe to me is Jesus. Okay. So when I say the universe, does the universe know I exist? I hear that as does Jesus or God know I exist. Right. And he 1,000% knows I exist. One. He knows that I exist more than I know that I exist. Wow. What does he think about me? He's obsessed with me. Obsessed. <laughs> He's more obsessed with me than I'm obsessed with me. So what does that mean? Is that the next question? No. That's a part of the same That's a part question. of the same question. What does it mean? What does it mean to have Jesus slash God be obsessed with you? What does it mean? Um, I realize that that could sound really bizarre and weird. Um, by obsessed, I mean he just is my biggest fan. And he's as real to me as you are right now sitting in front of me. So for him to be obsessed with me, it means that... He was the one who thought of me, of, like, the reason I'm in this world is hmm. because he was like, yeah, Bree should be here. Wow. And then I came along, and um, he knew who I was before I knew who he was. Okay. And, um, yeah. For him to be obsessed with me, it means that um, he created me and made me to love me, and my journey has been about learning who he is mm. and kind of learning to take off who the world has told me that he is. Mm. Um, 
and discovering who he actually is because of how he himself is interacting with me. So he's much less like this spiritual outside being and way more of a actual person who I can't touch but that I communicate with mm. all the time. At what point did you realize that he was 1000% real and somebody that you could touch and communicate with? Um, Has that always been an inner knowing? No. Or was there a period of time? I always knew he was like there somehow, but I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, so does that mean that like, like I don't get it. Like yeah. what does that actually look like? Because I had been told, you know, but I didn't understand. And the first time I would say um, was when I was, I don't remember how old I was. I was um, 25 years old, 26. And I was living in Uganda. And um, I um, was in a relationship with someone that I wanted to get out of, but it was really hard to get out. And I was like the girl on Eat, Pray, Love on in my bedroom like talking to God but I didn't know that I could actually talk to him I was talking to him out of faith but not out of like a knowing that mm. he would answer or hear me mm -hmm. and um, yeah I just was like tell me what to do and I'll do it which is interesting because who I know him to be now yeah. he's not a god who you just say tell me what to do and I'll do it but he met me in a way that I needed and it was so personal in that moment because I was very not immature in my relationship with him but it was very I was young like if I think if I think of myself then as a child yeah. my relationship with him then was much more like a child and a dad and it's much more now is like a friendship I, I would say, I um, but yeah, I, I would say that I had a, and I, I didn't really, I wasn't raised in church, so I communicated to him in a way that felt genuine to me in that moment, and I felt like I encountered, I had an experience with him that, that was very tangible, um, and I asked a question and it was answered almost immediately. And then I was very comforted mm. in the process of it for the next three months and comforted in a way that was like very mm. experiential. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers that your question. That does answer my question. Yeah. So it sounds like you had kind of asked, <laughs> got, a, a, got a question and demanded something of him. Mm-hmm. And you said that's in hindsight, that's not, that's not exactly how he is, but that's what you needed at the time. So at this point in time, how do you view that he is? Mm. Could you demand the same thing? I think if I ask that question right now, well, I do. I say, what should I do? I ask him that all the time. Yeah. And so many, I mean, clearly as humans, we're always trying to make decisions about our lives. And yeah. I still go to him and I'm like, what do I do? And his answer to me now always go is, on. what do you want to do? He always follows up with another question. And it's hard at first and it's kind of frustrating, but I think it is him showing me 
it's maturity in relationship, you know, I think that it's him, I know him a lot more than I did then, that was almost six years ago, Yeah. and it shows what I could perceive as disengagement on his end, yeah. I know is actually trust on his end of mm. me making my own decisions and him being not controlling like a lot of us perceive him to be um, because I think that he values our choices and he couldn't be love if he didn't. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Next question. What is a cause or group of people that you want to make life a little bit better for? My black friends. Really? Yes. That was an easy answer. Yeah, 1,000%. What do you mean? Um, what does that mean uh, for you? I just love my black friends. And my black friends are the only people that wouldn't be offended by me saying my black friends because they're not afraid of being called black. I don't even have to say my African-American friends. Really? Yeah. They're like, I'm black, obviously, and I love it. So... Definitely them, because they're some of the most beautiful, mm. amazing, passionate, rich people I know, and I find that they're often very misunderstood. Mm. I feel like they're misunderstood for what is actually the most beautiful, like, parts about who they are. Um, so yeah, I don't know how I would do that, Yeah. except for, I think that doing communicates a lot more than telling, you know, I think that at least in the environment that I live in, there's a lot of meetings and things about how to like empower the African-Americans in our community yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, honestly, what if we like had like, like I have a yoga dance studio in town that I've thought about making a restaurant or like an outdoor bar. It's along mm. like the Sacramento river. And I'm like, what if we just like had like, it, it, it's Reading, the city that I live in is not diverse, but there's a school of ministry there which brings in people from all over the world, so it makes the community diverse. So we have people from literally every country in the world. So I'm like, I could bring in all the people that I know, and I have a lot of friends from different cultures, and like every weekend we could serve, like what if we made the studio like a restaurant slash yeah. bar slash dance studio, and basically, all of my different friends from different countries could represent themselves yeah. on a weekend and yeah. we had food and dance and that to me is a way to empower mm. and um, represent mm. and aid in a way that's not like I feel bad for you yeah. it's like let's just show who you are yeah. and the people around us who aren't informed will see mm. and I think that there's ways to talk less and display more. Yeah. Um, I used to live in Uganda and had a very different perception of 
<laughs> what it was like until I got there. And I was like, what the heck? I'm obsessed with these people. It's like the richest, most colorful, vibrant, lively, passionate mm. place I've ever lived in. I've only ever been told X, Y, and Z. Mm. And what I'm experiencing is the complete opposite of that. So I think that has, um, yeah, I've always been passionate about representing different ethnicities mm. and um, letting them have a voice in every area but I think especially in like the Christian culture we have a long way to go when it comes to representing different races Absolutely. so that is where I would want to dedicate my time I love it yeah Next question. What are two positive words that you would use to describe yourself? The first two things I thought of were passionate and intense. <laughs> Tell me about that. Let's unpack those. Sorry, the sun is in my eyes and there's it's like okay. smoke. Are you getting barbecue smoke in oh, your yeah, eyes? I can feel barbecue a little That's bit. like in my eyes. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, is intense positive? I guess intense is positive. I get intense a lot. What does that mean? From other people. They tell you that? Yeah, they do. Um, I would describe myself as, and I get passionate a lot. Um, I think I'm, I'm very passionate. Well, are those the first two words I would describe or I would use? It sounds like other people have used those people words that. for you. I would also say compassionate. Can I add that in there? Absolutely. I think I'm very compassionate. Tell me why. Sometimes to a fault. What does that mean? Compassionate to a fault is caring about you more than I care about me, mm -hmm. which could look like a good thing, but yeah. in reality that can be really not good Absolutely. and destructive, you know? Um, passionate. I really, when I love something, I love something, and I'm very black or white, and I'm either in or I'm not. And I'm just passionate, whether that's what I'm eating or my relationship with God or what I'm putting on my body or, and it's just... Like even down to hand cream? You're passionate about hand cream. I think I need to give myself more permission to, when it comes to my items, be that way because I am. But yes, I know the exact, well, I'm not really into hand cream right now. I should be. But yes, things like that. I get it. The mascara I use, the, the hair products I use. I'm, it's not just like, eh, it's this one. It's very. Really? Maybe that's particular. <laughs> Is that particular? <laughs> it's, it's intense, passionate. And particular. Particular. Yeah. But I'm also like so easygoing. <laughs> so is that, that's positive. That's positive. It's positive if you want it to be How positive. am I doing in this interview? Uh, you're excelling. I am. Absolutely. Okay. So the next question is, I'm going to, I'll get, I'll get an example-ish. So what is like a moment in time that you thought that life was going to end. Not that you were going to like, not like a near-death experience, but that you thought, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Like tomorrow's just not gonna come. 
maybe could be like the death of someone when I like an example that I often use is that when my parents found out that I had my first beer that I thought like oh my gosh tomorrow's not gonna come that type of experience where you're like this is it this is the end of the world A few. Um, I totally want to put on my sunglasses, but I want you to see. It's really good. So this is intense. I think I'm just intense. But I want you to see my eyes. Oh yeah, I like seeing your eyes. Okay. Um. Well, it's interesting because I think I experience, unfortunately, not that I think the world's going to end, but I think I, I could be a very anxious person. I care a lot about what other people think, I think, which is not always a good thing. But I think that that happens to me a lot in like certain relational dynamics where I communicate something. I think I, I grew up in an environment where it wasn't always mm. safe to be my true self and say what I wanted to say and express it. just to be fully me and, and use my voice yeah. and say my opinion. So there, that created this really kind of like, it was subconscious then, but this like, don't be anything that they don't want you to be, like be what they want you to be. So obviously in my relationships that mean a lot to me, there's kind of always this underlying like, um, oh my God, if I say the wrong thing, it's over. <laughs> like it's over. And that's not in every relationship. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm in relationship with some very powerful, compassionate, loving people. But in certain dynamics, that kind of happens to me a lot where it's like this really debilitating like, oh my God, like don't mess up because it's just over for you if that happens. So that's kind of like maybe like a superficial answer where that happens maybe like not, I don't want to say on a day-to-day basis. It depends on the season and how stress, my stress levels affect yeah. that because there's certain seasons where I'm like, I don't give an F what you think about me. And there's other seasons where I'm like walking on eggshells with people. And I think that's less about them and shows way more mm-hmm. about where I am at emotionally. Um, but um, when I lived in Uganda, I think that I experienced um, very extreme burnout and I was very anxious. I couldn't fall asleep until like six in the morning every night and I'd sleep until like eight in the morning. So I was like running, I don't know how I was living, you know? Um, and yeah, I had one experience. I mean, it sounds morbid. I'm fine. We're still here. I'm here. I'm great. Clearly, I'm great. I'm here. Hi. I got through it. Welcome. You can get through it, too. Um, but you kind of have to let yourself go there. It's kind of crazy. Go where? I think to go to that point of, like, I don't think I'm going to make it till tomorrow. I'll never forget. I was, um, I had been living in Uganda for almost four years at this point and I had started my own company and was just had completely disconnected from my own needs and wants and was purely surviving off of what other people needed from me to the point where my mind and my heart had shut down and it took my body 
communicating really like I am not okay so I was visiting my family I was home for Christmas and just basically started having a I didn't know what an anxiety attack or a panic attack looked like but I my body was like okay mind heart you're not gonna listen like I'll tell you that something is off and I just I basically I started panicking my body started convulsing my mom had to come up basically spooning so I was the little spoon oh you she were came and big spooned me and was just holding me in bed and I think I thought I was gonna die like I think I thought that really I don't think I thought I was gonna make it till the next day it felt like I was dying it was a really bizarre experience I mean I don't know if this is triggering or morbid but I think I also wanted to in that moment too because I was like I mean this is just so hard like what the hell am I doing why like this just why am I here I get it I'm so over it all yeah like it would just be easier to just be done you know um that resignation did did you feel free once you kind of like felt that I think I felt free I think there was a weird freeing in it I was like I'm just done (laughs) I'm great 25 had my time like that was great yeah. I've been all over the world, like, yeah. but it, but I think that also felt scary. I felt really alone. Um, I felt really alone, and it was scary. But I think I'm thankful that I let myself go there because I think the years after that, I really found who I was, and I had to like let go of. I think I was operating. I know I was operating under a lot of performance and people pleasing and that created so much anxiety and I had to let myself, um, I think the bigger fear was like, who will I be without this? Who will I be if I'm not Brie and Uganda with this company and blah, 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 blah. So yeah, had a full on mental breakdown, went to the ER, got a heart monitor and he was like, it's not an irregular heartbeat, it's stress. Like... You know, so yeah, I think that was my, I think. So who was Brie without those things? Because eventually you left. Yeah. Were you able to still maintain a sense of self? It (laughs) cost me how other people viewed me, 1,000%. I think I let a lot of people down, including my family. Um and their perception of me. I was always like literally the golden child. I have two sisters and still to this day we talk about, everyone kind of knows that I was the favorite and it's not unknown and it's kind of weird, but it's just how it was. And it's not like that anymore because- Really? Yeah, I, I always just, I knew how to be what my parents, my dad wanted me to be and I did that and I did it really well and when that changed yeah I think it's been like a six-year journey of I'm still in the process of it I'm still discovering I don't think I think that's been the hardest thing is to learn that like we don't ever actually like arrive yeah like I'm not gonna like all of a sudden get to like you know where I think I want to be, but it's just this constant place of discovery. But yeah, no, it definitely. What was the question again? Um, uh, the I've got a follow-up question. Okay. The follow-up question is, I need to check if this is recording. Sometimes it stops. No, it's still recording. We're good. Okay. Um, the follow-up question is, if somebody 
were in a place where they had a lot of people's perception of them, is it worth it to not live up to other people's expectations if it's best for you for self-care? Oh my gosh, it's 1000% worth it. It's really? It's so worth it. So people should, would you recommend, what would you, if somebody's listening or watching this and they're like living a life from other people's expectations and being propped up by that, what would you tell them? Like, should they be true to themselves? I would say, I think I wouldn't say anything. I would ask something. What would you ask? I would ask? say, why are you doing that? Not why are you doing that, like, from a judgmental yeah. perspective, but, like, maybe ask yourself, why am I doing this? What? It, how is it serving me? Okay. What am I getting from it? Okay. Is that what I want? Who do I want to be? Is that fulfilling? Just kind of looking at it from this really kind of like... I went through this very long intuitive eating journey and we have a voice called the food anthropologist. So looking at yourself from the very like anthropologist perspective. Anthropological. Anthropological, thank you. That's fine. So non-judgmental, like what are the facts? Like how can I get curious with myself and from a place of compassion and being like why am I operating this way? Why am I doing these things? What am I afraid of? What do I need? What do I want? I think questions can get you a lot further than really anything else in a situation like that. Um, but I would say that um, it definitely costs. It costs your momentary comfort and security. But then once you go through the process is like is that security real is it false well um where am i finding my security there's so many layers and i think it's so different for every person but is it worth it to let people down it's so worth it <laughs> oh my god really it's so effing hard it is so hard especially the people that like your identity is you know whoever that is whether that's your the relationship you're in, your parents, yeah. whoever it is, it it could cost you like your how you view your sense of self, you know? Because I think for a lot of us, our sense of self is based off of how other people view us. Yeah. And so, it will one thousand percent be very difficult. Um. But I think that you find yourself in ways that. Not everyone takes the time to do, you know? Um, so you're saying that you can wake up the next morning and still be alive, and but you'll have to reconstruct your sense of self. If what? If you let everybody down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you have you, and it, this is something I'm still learning, this idea of like being reconciled to myself and staying with myself and not abandoning myself in every moment not abandoning myself could be like not like be staying true to myself in this moment like not saying something because I think that that's what you want to hear or yeah. because I think that's what you want to hear like yeah. not abandoning myself is so 
it's moment is literally moment by moment. Yeah. And it, I think it's very difficult. Um, but yeah. Wow. I forgot the question. That, that doesn't matter what the question okay. was. That was a great answer. Yeah. Next question ten. Love and suffering are said to be our greatest teachers. Mm. What has each taught you? Oh my gosh. People answer these on the spot? On the freaking spot. What the heck? Um, love and suffering. Uh, they go so hand in hand, right? I don't know. When have you loved without ever suffered? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um... What have they both taught me? Yeah. Suffering. I mean, I guess suffering is so different for every person, right? I think suffering for me has looked like... Suffering has looked like loss, losing people. I think that's been... Yeah, losing people or losing, um, I'm someone who really needs and craves, I'm a six on the Enneagram, so I really value security and safety, so I will look to anything to make me feel safe, whether that's a human, whether that's a perfect body, whether that's um, anything where I can feel secure, and I have had to walk through a process of finding my security in brie yourself and myself whether that not the is cheese. not the cheese brie yeah okay. everyone's like is it brie like B-R-I-E? I'm like, no <laughs> it's brie like the cheese but it's b-r-e um so i think suffering um has looked like letting go of everything that is false security okay um and finding that like no matter what I look like, who is in my life, who is validating me, Mm. I am safe and secure, but it is, can feel like suffering when you're like letting go of those things. Um, I get that. I don't know if that is, answers the question. It does. And then love. Yeah. What is that? What has it taught you? Oh my gosh. It's the most vulnerable thing in the world. Get out of town. It's taught me how to be myself. Um, I don't think that we're ourselves when we're not loving people or being, uh, letting ourselves be loved. I think allowing myself to be loved has taught me way more than learning to love someone. To receive love, I think, is much more difficult. Mm -hmm. Um... And loving has taught me how to let go of my walls Hmm. that try to protect me from pain. Um, Yeah, when I think of love and what it's taught me, it's been learning to let myself be loved. And it has taught me how to be the most, like, tender, raw, messy version of me and discover that I'm still just lovable. I find you very lovable. Thank you.
It's all up by you. Yeah. Those are great answers. Thank you. You're doing so well. Thanks. On this I just got nervous ungraded again. test. <laughs> so number 11 is similar to number 9. How many questions are there? 15. Again? Okay. Oh, wow. We're going fast. Super going fast. fast. Not like, Am I like we're faster taking, than other people? We're taking our time. Am I like average? You're a brief. Okay. That's what matters. Okay. Have you ever thought you're going to die? Like. Like actually thought you're going to die. From something. I or? guess. I mean, I don't know if you fear that you've got cancer. I don't know. I mean, how like intense do I want to be right now? Um, like. <laughs> on a level of intensity, uh, zero to ten, probably an eleven. Oh wow. Um. <laughs> Okay. You well, can be as freaking as tense as I you want. As I want to be. I've wanted to multiple times. I never thought I would be one of those people, but I've had some really intense moments where I've like thought, as in Slash was like, "Why don't we just like get this over?" With? Absolutely. Yeah. It's time. Mm-hmm. I'm. I've lived my life. Like why? Yeah. I actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I didn't. I knew I wouldn't. And that was what was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking You know what I mean? Yeah. I knew I wouldn't. And that was what was annoying. I went through, well, there's been multiple phases and seasons, but um, I had like just went through lots of years where I really abused my own body and yeah. hated myself so much. Yeah. Hated. And... Um, had lots of different kinds of eating disorders and all the things. And then Jesus started teaching me how to let go of those. Cause really just different eating disorders, at least for me, I don't know how it is for other people, but they're just coping mechanisms to protect yeah. myself and keep myself from pain. So yeah. when I learned how to let go of those things, mm. I was feeling feelings for the first time. So I was feeling pain and I was feeling joy and I was feeling grief and I was feeling, because really it was just keeping me from feeling. So with that came almost what felt like more pain that I had ever experienced in my life. And um, it's just been within the past couple of years. Yeah, just in the past couple of years, there was a season of like two weeks yeah, I would just, I hated my body. I hated, hated, hated my body. And every night I went to bed, I would just be like, I'm just done. I'm just over it. Like, if I didn't wake up in the morning, like, it'd be fun. It'd be great. Can we just not? But it was so, once I allowed myself to go there, it kind of showed me, like, where I was at emotionally. And it almost, like, I don't want to say fixed it, but... It's like you just have to let yourself say the thing. Yeah. Just say it. Yeah. It's like, who cares? Like, it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. hearing myself say it. Um, and and even being vocal with other people about that, I think, was really helpful. Because I think that... I think validating how we feel is really important, but also when you say it out loud, you can kind of hear how unrealistic sometimes things yeah. are, yeah, yeah. like how it's actually not real what you're feeling. And um, But yeah, no, I've thought that 
as in wanted that yeah. multiple times. Yeah. How um, did you get over your eating disorder? I mean, um, over is a strange is a strange yeah. phrase, but I mean, like, we had breakfast together. Yeah. You know, I imagine that ten years ago you would have thought like, I'm not gonna have manchego cheese. Wow. And toast and an egg. Yeah, I love this right? story. Yeah. Um, it has been literally a ten year journey. Yeah. Um, I would say just in the past two years have I found like an insane amount of freedom. Yeah. And it started. I started going to a counselor. Um. And I started on this like intuitive eating journey that was freaking terrifying. I think I thought that like all of a sudden God was just going to come in and like heal me and everything was going to be fine. And what he did was give me himself to walk through my own process with me. So I knew I wasn't alone, Okay. but he like felt like he like led me into the fire and I started there's this book literally called I think it's called intuitive eating and it's like these women who wrote it like in the 80s and it's so hilarious because the diets that they refer to are like weight watchers and it's very old like paleo um whole 30 like none of those things were even like a thing like um and because two years ago I was very free and like I wasn't like making myself throw up or like restricting but I was so it was just I I couldn't tell you what I was thinking about because all I was thinking about was food right and this is only so and I had been like actual having manifestations of eating disorder things for 10 years and it wasn't until two years ago that mentally something broke um which I think is the root, the root, because an action is only caused by a thought. And if you can hear the thoughts, then a lot can change. But I think practically, um, I mean, first thing I had to be ready, I think I was done like 10 years later. No, really it's been my whole life. Like, but I think you, personally you have to reach a point of being like this isn't something has to change this isn't fulfilling this isn't totally sustainable like what do I do and I think that's so individual but for me yeah I found so much freedom through um, intuitive eating which looked like it was so freaking terrifying I mean talk about like it was, it felt like I was jumping off a bridge because I had lived so rule-based in my relationship with food my whole life, but it looked like learning how to listen to my body and giving myself unconditional permission to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and however much I wanted. Stop. And it feels so counterintuitive because you're like, how is this going to heal an eating disorder? But it literally kind of goes back to like caveman days and you just are like listening to your body and trusting. It's basically just reestablishing trust with your body because obviously someone who's had an eating disorder their whole life, there's zero trust. Your body is like, I don't trust you. Um, So it looked like everything being on the table, like whatever I wanted, like you can have cappuccino ice cream at seven in the morning if you want and you can have however much you want um and there is this analogy that the book gives you of like it's like the way we are with food like we're like okay 
if you put a kid in a room with a bunch of toys and you're like, you can play with anything except for that one. And then you leave yeah. the room. Which toy is the kid going to play with and then abuse yeah. and be afraid of and look out and all of their attention and all of their focus is going to be on that toy. And that's exactly what happens to us when we have rules around food. It's like, I can't eat the cake. Cake, 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 cake. Like, and then five pieces of cake because who knows when I'm... Yeah. gonna get it again and our bodies hear that that and yeah. respond to that so when you haven't given yourself sugar in six years <laughs> if you have some sugar your body's gonna hold on to it because it doesn't know when it's gonna get it again and anyway so it was extremely freeing for me I had to um really let myself go there and it was terrifying and I did gain weight at the beginning because my body hadn't been used to eating anything that I was eating so it was like everything was allowed and then slowly and slowly I'll never forget it was like six months in because you're just listening so you're like I feel like I think for like a month I had frozen yogurt every night for dinner for breakfast I was having like scones and it was crazy because I had never I hadn't had this stuff like really my whole life since I was a little kid and um I'll never forget it was like six months in I was like broccoli sounds good (laughs) Like, sweet potatoes sound good. Like, chicken sounds good. And your body starts telling you, it's like it trusts you now all of a sudden. And it's like, okay, you're not going to deprive me. I'm going to tell you that I want this now. I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was really just starting to view my body as, like, a person. Um and not something that I needed to like look a certain way. And it's kind of crazy what's happened since then because I don't, I, I think about food way less than I ever have. And it's not wild. And I'm eating whatever I want, whenever I want. And I never thought I would be one of those people. And I think that, um, Do we need to go? yeah, I think we're good. This will be the last thing I say. I think also just giving myself permission to be like, it's okay to care about how I look. It's okay to care about those things. Um, and not feeling guilt about that, but also knowing that I'm gonna feel my best when it's not my like ultimate obsession. Mm. And, um, but it's really hard to get there and it's so understandable that definitely very difficult but I think permission yeah. permission is what heals not rules wow yeah. and on that note we're gonna go have dinner and Bye. come back to question number 12 13 14 and 15 Yay. Bye. see you soon can I put my glasses on now yeah where are they bye Hi everyone, we're back. Hi. It is not after dinner time <laughs> right now. We had a great dinner steak last night. Oh my gosh, it was so good. We're on a hike this morning. What are your thoughts on cheating in a relationship? Oh no! And what is it? Oh wow. My thoughts are absolutely, I understand how it could happen, but my thoughts are, like, what are my thoughts? Like, do I agree with it? Or just I, what I, are my thoughts in general? I don't know. My thoughts are, what are your thoughts on cheating in a relationship? 
And what is it? I think that makes me really sad, the thought of it, but I think it's so understandable how it could happen, and I think it could happen really easily. How so? What is cheating? I think it could be emotional or physical. Okay. I think you can have, I don't know, is emotional an affair? That's a word. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Emotional affair. Yeah. Um, I think it looks like... Getting needs met by someone else besides the person that you're with. And that could look, that could be emotional or that could be physical. So you wouldn't recommend it? I wouldn't recommend it. But if it happens, yeah. I think there's no judgment towards yourself in it. I think it's just looking at yourself from this like curious, in a curious way and being like, okay. Yourself as the cheater or being cheated um, on? Oh, as the cheater. <laughs> um, yeah, if that, if, you know, I mean, I've done it. <laughs> that happens. I've done it, yeah. And I think that I never thought that I would be someone who would, that, that would happen to. But I think that um, it's sad when it does. But, um Yeah, I think that it's really the most destructive thing in that sort of situation would be to, to judge yourself for it. I think what's more helpful is to ask yourself questions like, mm. what did I want? What did I need? Mm. What was going on? Um, I mean, I think the first time I cheated, I was in high school and the person I cheated on, I was like, if he came to me today and asked me to marry him, I would... 1000% say yes. I've been in love with him since I was like 10 years old and I cheated on him to get his attention. Like, so I think that motives, it's really, that's why it's like not a, it's not helpful to judge yourself for it because I don't think it, I don't think it is a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a true, It's not an accurate way of showing whether or not you really love someone. I think that cheating could actually be a way of, at least in my, the first time I cheated on someone, it was to get his attention. Did it get his attention? It 1000% did. He broke up with me, <laughs> but it got his attention. Wow. And I could tell that he was actually devastated. And it was like the first time that I saw him like really tender and real and authentic and genuine like before me. So yeah. Did you ever get back together with him? Um, we never got back together. Well, we kind of, actually, no, that's a lie, we did. We got back together years later. So 16, I was probably, um, I think I was 20, maybe like 24, no, 25. I think I was 25. And yeah, we got back together. We dated for a couple of months but I was on and off living in Uganda. And when I moved back to Uganda, it was just too hard to, yeah. that distance, I think caused a lot of tension. And so, yeah, I haven't talked to him since then. He'll watch this and he'll come he'll back watch. and propose. John Flood, if you are watching, <laughs> you know I love you. I will always love you. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Next question. What is a career that you never pursued? Oh my gosh, I wanted to work for a magazine. Which one? Vogue. Really? Yeah. What was it about Vogue? I think um, 
Well, I wanted to live in New York, and then I wanted to live in New York so that I could work for a magazine because most magazines that I would want to work for, most, I wanted to work for a fashion magazine. So it was um, the fashion, and but I wanted to write for them. Um, yeah, I love fashion, and I love the city of New York, and that's what I wanted to do. Oh my gosh. Would you ever do it? I think I would. I would definitely live in New York. That is, like, not a question. Um, yeah, I don't think it would have to be Vogue. I think I would write for any magazine. Not any magazine, but I would love to write for a fashion magazine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, like, any magazine, like, train conductor magazine. Yeah, no, not Better any. Homes and any, gardens. like, like, maybe any, um... Knitting. Any fashion magazine... Well, some can be like a bit not what I want. So yeah. maybe not any fashion magazine, but fashion magazine, like yoga magazines, health and fitness magazines, like Darling Magazine. Do you know Darling Magazine? Anyway. Next question. When you hear the sound, no, when you hear the siren of an ambulance, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's it. That really is it. Like, yeah, it's like, oh no. Something's wrong. What's wrong? I think I think about what's happening. I think about who they're going to help. Yeah. That's I a always, great question. I always hear ambulance. You so, do? In, in like downtown London, you've got oh, like yeah. police cars and ambulances have different sirens. Really? I'm I don't hear sure. them very often. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so you always hear them, and I have a different feeling when I hear either one. Really? Or like a, a fire truck as well. They've got a louder horn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel... Yeah. Okay. The last question for you. Okay. Who is a person or people that have always wanted the best for you? and always cared about who you would become and what you would become. That's really good. Always, like throughout my life? Like, can change, I don't Or just recently, or I guess it just depends. When you think, who's just one person that's always been on Team Bree? Always been there, my little sister. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's always been Team Bree. Um, Have you always been Team Jill? Yeah. Yeah, I have felt so supported by her. Our relationship has changed a lot over the years. So I think when we were younger, we used to agree on all of the same things, and we had a very similar life. And the older we got, we just changed, and we both kind of did this, like, swap, like the things that she was passionate about, then I became passionate about. And um, so there was definitely some awkward, tense years but um, I think it made it us definitely closer in the end. And yeah, I've always felt um, so loved and supported by her. And 
knows that she wants the best for me. Right now, it's probably one of my best friends, Margot. Oh. Yeah. I would say she's who I feel the most supported by in my life, for yeah. sure. She's like the most compassionate, empathetic. Compassion and empathy is huge for me exactly. in someone that I feel supported by and feel safe with. Yeah, you're six. Yes. <laughs> I need to feel very um, supported, yeah. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the next question, the 16th question is for me. You can ask okay. me anything. <gasps> yeah. And I have to be like completely open. I don't have to. I choose to be. It's important. You know, so many interviewers, you just, they get to hide behind a small three by, two by three card piece of paper. Um. That grin, go on. <laughs> oh my that god. That laugh, that laugh. <laughs> you I don't know what's coming. I don't either. That's so fun. I have one question that I want to ask, but then I want to make sure that's the question I want to ask. <laughs> Can I ask two? Perhaps. Yes. Okay, my first question okay. is um what do you love most about women? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, that's great. Mm, um, there's kind of like uh, two things, like a receptivity of like ideas oh, and thoughts cool. and then kind of like a rebirth and where they'll like process things and then regenerate something so there's like a creativity and they they are able to listen and then mm. create in different ways that I don't think that uh, yeah that I mean that I men that. men and women and non-binary they all we all are very different so I guess women in general yeah we'll just it say was that. more women in general we'll say women in general that I think that the thinking process is different and more creative it can be. That's really cool. Um, and there's also they're able to like get in information, reconfigure it, and then be like, "Here's actually a whole other way to see it." I think that that's like beautiful. That. I think that the the sense of the the rebirth in the whole process is important. What's okay. your second question? My next question is, if you could imagine your life, if you could have the exact life that you wanted in 10 years, what do you want to be doing? What would it look like? Yeah. I'd be a woman. <laughs> 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 I would be a creative coach. Oh, my God. I'd be a woman. <laughs> uh, in 10 years. I mean... It's hard. It'd be this on a bigger scale. Cool. Yeah. It would be, I'll be 42. Isn't that wild? Um, It'll be a hot 42-year-old man. Mm. Uh, I wonder if you'll have some would, grays. Can you imagine? That'd be so cute. I had like three gray hairs on the left side of my head. You do? Hair. Yeah. I think it's cute when men gray. When you're handsome, you know. <laughs> okay, anyway, 10 years. I want to be doing this, but like, I want to interview people. 
and I want to be some sort of teacher, um, professor. I want to speak places. I want to write. Um, so speaking, writing, and interviewing in some way, shape, or form. So if that would mean that I got into like full-time academia, then I would become, I would do research every on sabbatical years or something like that. Cool. Um, if I interviewed people like with a podcast, which I cannot imagine a podcast lasting for 10 years, whatever, maybe it does, but there would be like, I mean, what a beautiful place. This is my studio would be a lake. Yeah. I like I'm it. kind of living my dream life at the moment. I love it. Yeah. It's cool. I, th I don't think I'll be alone. Mm -hmm. I think I'll have a partner. Maybe two. <laughs> kidding. Yeah, that's a good answer. Thank you. Thank you. This has been such a nice conversation. I've appreciated how open you've been and that you've just laid out your heart. I think that our conversation last night, I mean, it's really stuck with me about how you got over your eating disorder mm -hmm. and how you reconceptualized your body, yourself, mm -hmm. your purpose. Yeah your meaning here in the universe mm -hmm. and you're yeah. very connected to the universe god love the universe everybody thanks for watching another episode thank you of oh go on then you're amongst friends thank you for listening to another episode of oh go on then you're amongst friends all of the podcasts are made possible thanks to the generosity of our online community of supporters who i see as the friends who listen along you can visit ogoonthen.com to learn more about the podcast and maybe consider supporting the creation of new episodes. You'll find the link to ogoonthen.com in the show notes below. To all of you who listen and have been so encouraging, thank you, thank you, thank you. Could not do this without you. And I look forward to our next episode together.